0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, which is part of the DemCast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C. And a little later, Sarah Wood will be back and she'll be joining me for all the things that we have to talk about today, which is so much because there's always so much going on in this wonderfully corrupt administration. Um, We're also going to be doing And Another Thing, which is for patrons only, and that's after the free show. So guess what? Start Me Up is a podcast that's supported by you, the listeners, and I don't have corporate funding and I'm not using advertisers. So that means the show survives on your support. Maybe you can consider becoming a patron for like one or two dollars a month. And what that would do, that's just basically like buying me uh, two to four lattes a year for the hard work that I do. Surely I deserve at least two lattes a year, right? If you sign up for five dollars, you're going to get access into And Another Thing, which is for patrons only. And as I said, we're going to do that one today. A couple of different things we're going to talk about, which I'm not going to tell you because you just have to sign up to listen. Um, one thing that I'm going to discuss is personal and then one thing isn't. Next week on the 6th, I'm going to be talking to the incredibly funny and energetic comedy duo Frangela. If you don't know who they are, oh my God, you're going to love them. Check them out on Twitter. Just go to at and then it's F R A. N-G-E-L-A. They are so freaking awesome. It's, they're just like, I'll ask them a question, and then poo, they're going to go. They're so much fun. They're always on Stephanie Miller. They have their own podcast. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then I just kind of want to take a, a little bit of time here to be like, to pat myself on the back. And that's because, uh, people are now wanting to be on this podcast. So I'm getting requests, uh, One person is running for office. There's another person who wanted to be on the show who wrote a book about women running for elected for, you know, for office and then and how to get elected. Uh, Somebody else is working with a grassroots organization helping to get the vote out in 2020. So I'm really pleased that, you know, the the podcast, excuse me, the podcast is growing A lot of that has to do with you because you guys are helping me do this by supporting me. So thank you to the supporters that I do have. And like I said, just consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash start me up. Look at the front page. You can see some of the amazing guests that I've already had. And uh, take a listen to some of the shows. Support the show also. Um, You can find the show on iTunes and Stitcher wherever podcasts are found. But please become a subscriber on iTunes and please give me a positive review. Uh, we did get one and that was awesome. So thank you for the person that gave me that review. But it costs nothing to do that on, on iTunes. So I would really, really appreciate it because iTunes evidently is like the, the place to be and the place to grow and all of that. So I'm just now kind of getting into it and, and taking it more seriously. So, um, all right, that's that. That's the beginning of the show. Now we're going to talk to Sarah Wood. Welcome, Sarah. Hello. Good to have you back. It's it's great to be here. I just wish it was under better circumstances.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I I have a mixture of hope and yeah. and another feeling. It's I can't even put words into. Like, I can't explain it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like we're all walking around with this um, dark cloud umbrella question is, is you know, is he going to win? Is he going to get, is he going to win in 2020? You know, I mean, whether it's through cheating or legitimate win, it's terrifying.
1: Yeah. That's really my greatest fear is the cheating yeah. is that he's focusing on, I think, is it Minnesota right now? Yeah. Cause he, I guess if he wins that state, it doesn't, some of the other states that he, he got before it won't matter. Huh. Um, that's that's my biggest fear is the cheating. Yeah. Its doesn't like I want to say it doesn't matter who we put forward. but I think I think if we get voter turnout, yeah, it's not going to matter how much he cheats because I yeah. think if we get people to the polls, we're going to get this.
0: Well, I mean, I was watching MSNBC a few weeks ago, and it might have been David Jolly, I'm not sure who said, that this election will be based on voter turnout, uh, not necessarily on the policy um, proposals that all the Democrats are putting forward, that it's just gonna be like 2018. And people are coming out, I mean, look, look what happened the other night at the World Series. You know, I mean, the whole. that was freaking- so fantastic. <laughs> no. And I want to punch Joe Scarborough in the fucking face for scolding us. Oh, my us. God.
1: <laughs> oh, you should disrespect the office of the president. No, we're not. We're disrespecting him because he's an ass. Because he's a mobster and he <laughs> yeah. cages
0: children and he's fucking Vladimir Putin's puppet.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh, why are you trying to protect that treasonous sack of shit.
0: Yeah. It just blows my mind. I mean, he's always, you know, he's coming down on Trump every day and, and he always takes this kind of like, you know, oh, I'm a big tough guy and I'm going to say, you know, things against Trump. And then, you know, Chris Coons said the same thing, that we have to respect the office of the president. And it's like, well, no, we don't. We're We're Americans. And this country was built on the fact that we were allowed to criticize people in office. And as Nancy Pelosi keeps reminding us, no president is above the law. And it's like, um, I'm I'm quite concerned about the way the media handles Trump, especially in, I mean, Joe Scarborough, from what I could see was, uh, and Chris Coons, was really the only two who were concerned about this. Uh, nobody else scolded. But I feel like this was an, op- you know, he never goes out in public. He never gets to know, he only goes to his rallies where he either has paid actors or legitimate, deplorable, brainwashed supporters who are ch- chanting and, you know, lock her up and cheering him on. So now exactly. he, he gets a taste of going out into the real world and he's rejected.
1: He probably showed up and saw all the red hats and got excited. Yeah. And then-
0: <laughs> Here's a question. Here's a question I have for you because my mom and I have, it's not necessarily a d- disagreement, but it's a slightly different way of looking at it. And so back when George Bush was president, um, she had told me she felt sorry for him. And you know, not that it was like, oh, poor George Bush, but it was just the idea that the man isn't evolved. And she was so anti George Bush, she was screaming from the rooftops. The second he was installed basically by the Supreme Court. Um, She was freaking out and really upset about it. So not to say that she's like, oh, poor George, it wasn't that I think she takes on a more existential view. Like, for instance, You know, well, there's a couple of examples I could give, but I mean, I have family members who were born to two very dysfunctional and abusive parents. And so the children of that family are kind of fucked up, although pretty much all of them, I think two of them more than one of them successfully, they've managed to live lives that are not as abusive or fucked up. Um, you know, they, they were able to escape that life and do things to make their lives and and hopefully their family's lives better. And then, so I also take the example of like, you have a dog that's chained in a yard, even if it's a good yard and they get fed all the time. Eventually, if that dog is taken off the chain, there's, there's going to be, um, that scar there. And so you take a look at Trump and he was raised by awful people. And he was raised in a bubble and his father was a racist. And so he, because he's been able to get away with things all of his life, um, my mother looks at him and she pities him, when, especially when she saw him make that face when he was being booed. And you could wow. see, like, you could see him. And it's not that, again, it's not that she said, I feel sorry for him, uh, in that, like, oh, poor Trump. she wants him, She wants him to go to jail. She wants him impeached. She can't stand him. But what she sees is this soul who has been crushed by everything, by his parents, by whatever. And he's lived in this bubble, and now he got a taste of what people really think about him. And it's like that little boy. She said, I saw that little boy, who was treated like shit by his father. And so my take, and I want to ask you what your take is, like my take is, well, um, just as my some of my family members, they came from terrible circumstances and they had a choice. They could repeat that behavior or they could say, all right, well, I'm going to... Um, look for the positive. And I just think that Trump never tried to look for the positive. I mean, I believe he, he raped children, you know, I mean, those children at Epstein's parties.
1: I think Trump, I think he changes the rules on how we look at people because he has zero emotional intelligence. I honestly believe that like he heard the booze and I don't think he felt hurt by it. I think he, I think in that, in a brief moment, he just got angry. I feel like you, you see his face go from a smile to like, who the fuck do these people think they are? Like he's so used to being—he's yeah. so used to being praised. Right. He's so, he so—he surrounds himself by people. He surrounds himself by yes men and people who praise him, and in the and in, in the moment that they don't praise him, he he cuts them loose. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he's in a stadium full of people who are booing him, and I don't—I don't even think that he got sad. I think he doesn't. I think he is damaged. I think mm-hmm. he did get damaged as a child, but. I know a lot of people who had a really rough childhood who weren't yeah. who aren't as horrible as he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I
0: also think that I think that he got stuck because, you know, he was a target of, of the Russians. And so early on and, you know, I, I take it back to the uh, 90s where he was caught and compromised and therefore he's been having like he, it gave him less choice. Because he got involved with a Russian mob, you know, and I had a, I had a, um, experience once where I met a real mobster and I didn't realize he was a mobster, but I was, I was in a sales position. I was actually selling oil and fuel and that didn't last very long, but, uh, you know, I met this guy and I went to his office and I looked around and I could see all these pictures of like him with other Mobster looking guys, but then, like, I mean, he I guess he had met Joe Pesci, who clearly is not a mobster, but I mean, he met Joe Pesci and a a bunch of other people, like uh, famous people who have been in the mobster movies. He had pictures of um, himself with those people, but then other mobster looking guys. And so, we were talking, and you know, everything that he said to me was very uh, what's the word? It was like it was all veiled you know he he didn't just come out and say hey i'm a i'm a mobster but oh, he would he would not, yeah. say these things that l- finally like the light bulb went on i'm like oh my god this guy's a mobster and then not only that i found out later that um i i looked him up on the internet after that light bulb came on and there was an article about how he and his son threatened some um competitor that they were going to literally throw him off the pier like wearing brick shoes or something. (laughs) Oh my God. God." So, and I was telling every stereotype. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally. And it, it was literally some kind of, um, scandal having to do with some, like the Santa Monica Pier in California or something. Anyway, so I was talking to a girlfriend and I was saying, Oh my God, you know, and then he kept calling me. Uh, and thank God I had a work phone number and I wasn't there for much longer. And I just kept avoiding him. He didn't have my personal cell phone number, but he was calling me a lot after I went to that initial visit. And, um, I never saw him again, but my girlfriend told me, she's like, you know, I have a friend who dated somebody in the mob. And then like, she just, we're not friends anymore and that's it. Because once you're in the mob, you're always in the mob or, or you're like Mm -hmm. Adrian on the Sopranos where you're taken out into the woods and shot. So Mm -hmm. I feel like Trump got involved with mobsters very early on and it put him in this position where even if he was capable of introspection and, you know, wondering about choices he's
1: made, he's stuck now. He's just fucking there, you know? Well, yeah, that's it. I think when he was involved with like real estate and business in New York city that he got involved a lot with like the, the mob in New York. And then yeah. a lot of that's like, like yes. Italian Italian, and all that. And then he would deal with them. And then then he decided, I'm going to try my hand with the Russian mob. Yeah. There's a new money who's going to help me build up my project and give me a golden parachute. That's that's, his whole MO. And so, but I don't think he realized what he was getting himself into no. with that. And now he is just, he is so embedded and so stuck. And his, mm-hmm. I, I think his literal life is on the line if he doesn't do mm-hmm. exactly what... Wow what they say. And I think his whole family's involved. And you see like Don Jr. going to Moscow and you see all like, they're so embedded in that they, they have to do, they have to say these things. And then, then you have the people that follow Trump and you're just like, I don't know. I, I, and you wonder how deep it goes. You wonder who else is like all these people, like Kevin McCarthy and Lindsey Graham and like Lindsey Graham the other day after Trump came out, and, and, you know, did his whole weird died like a dog speech. Um, Lindsey Graham came out and looked at the camera and I was like, Oh my God, is he okay? Yeah. I saw your I, tweet. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, It was like, it was like a, a proof of life video. He right. was just like looking at the camera. He looked like he was on the verge of tears. And his yeah. last sentence was like about, um, the people who are the most critical of Trump need to like, I don't know. He said something about people who are most critical of Trump need to like Respect him or whatever, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's him!" And he was forced to go out there and say that. Was he like given like, "You have to go out there and say this or else"? And then he leaves immediately after he says that. No questions, nothing. I was like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" I swear to God, may
0: we live in interesting times, right? I mean these these times are just beyond. I I can't even, I can't even believe this. You know, I mean, I like that's the most unoriginal thing to say, but. Every single day I wake up and, and I, I can't, you know, I mean, I was talking to someone earlier who is just very down and it kind of pissed me off because I feel like we can't, you know, down in the way that they were um, de- like defeated. And I feel yeah. like we can't get to that place right now. I mean, I know it's very difficult and I know it's hard to stay strong, but it's not over. We still have an election in front of us. And part of this person's, um, you know, feeling down was that didn't think Trump was going to be held accountable. And all over Twitter, I see certain folks saying, you're going to jail, you're going to jail. And frankly, I don't think Trump's going to go to jail. I just, I don't, he might, he might be held accountable in, you know, in the eyes of the law, but I don't know. And I I don't want to get too wrapped up in believing that he's going to go to jail, which I think that he should for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's like, I don't believe he should be put to death or, uh, you know, anything like I want him to live and suffer in a fucking cell. Even, even (laughs) if it's like, even if it's a nice cell, um, I want him to suffer through that. I want him to feel because even just getting impeached is going to drive him fucking mad. And and if the Senate doesn't convict him, which there is a chance that the Senate could, it's a small one, but there's a chance, but it's like, even if they don't convict him. He will spend the rest of his life knowing that he was impeached and it's going to drive him fucking crazy. So, but I feel like, you know, the best we can hope for right now is getting him impeached, not worrying about what the Senate does and then voting him out. And that's the best we can hope for. And if we get anything more than that, then count yourself lucky, you know? I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, are, are you on, do you feel the same way?
1: I feel exactly the same way. I'm like, I'm hope, like, I know... It'll go to the, I have I know he'll get impeached and it will go to the Senate. Yeah. From there, I don't maybe they will we'll be able to flip a few Republicans to get to 60. That mm-hmm. would be great. Um, it's you know, you never know. It's exactly what you said. And then our biggest chance to have him removed, though, is to vote him out. Yeah. So and it's all about voter turnout. I yes. got in an argument with with a Trump supporter at, while I was waiting for my train the other day. <laughs> And he was just, he was just repeating every Trump talking point, like the do nothing Democrats. And it was just like, I was listening to a parrot. I was like, oh Oh my God. And then there, he was talking to this other woman who was, I'm assuming liberal. And she was saying how bad Trump is. And he was basically saying like, I don't care about anybody else. Um, I'm doing fine. And I was like, well, that's selfish. That's like the literal definition of selfish (laughs) is that you only care about yourself and he's like, well, then I guess I'm selfish. And I was and like, <laughs> clearly you are. And and then, this, and then I'm getting onto the train and this woman goes, you know, you're not going to reach these people when you talk to them like that. And I go, we are. And I said, we're not going to reach these people, period. Yeah. I go, we need to reach the non-voters. We need to get him out of office by reaching people who don't ordinarily vote because yeah. we're never going to get through to these Trump supporters. It's just not going to happen. No. Uh, you know, yeah, everyone's. I think that, oh, no. go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say yeah, I think that's our best chance and I think that once he's out of office, I mean maybe the New York Attorney General can right. find some charges to
0: yeah, bring up and on I mean a, a lot a lot of times the state charges are about financial um issue, you know, like getting a payout or or him having to pay or something like that. Uh the person who's being um tried or whatever. But, you know, I mean, yeah. who knows if he's going to end up in prison and it's not something that I can um get to uh, sold on, because if I do, then it's going to be yet another disappointment. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Kamala Harris said that she would, uh, I think, what did she say? I don't know exactly what word she used, but it was like, yeah, I would, uh, go after him. I would, I would look to prosecute him if, if I became president. And I mean, I'm, it's hard for me to choose, uh, choose that side because it sets a precedent But then if you look at what the Republicans do, they're going to do whatever they're going to do anyway, no matter what we do. They're going to be dirty. And so if the Democrats go, you know, if the Democrats win and then we go after Trump, um, the precedent is that the next Democrat that wins, they're going to go after them. But I think they're going to do that anyway. I think that, you know, they're going to try to impeach the next Democratic president. No matter it who doesn't who matter it is. who it is. Yeah. yeah, it
1: doesn't matter who they tried for with Obama. And Obama was like, what were you going to impeach him for? I know. What did he do? I like, there was, I was, and, then, and that's the thing. People were like, I used to go after people being like, well, you're not respecting the office of the president. I remember myself saying that when yeah. Obama was in office. Yeah. But to that point, he wasn't doing anything. Yeah to not be respected. Whereas Trump has like it's a laundry everything. list of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, and a he like, yeah,
0: he didn't break any rules and it was just about disagreeing with policy. And so exactly. it's like, you don't get impeached over disagreements with policy. So, I mean, you get, you, you get impeached over lying about blow jobs, <laughs> but you know, not, not, and then also lying to the American people about what was on a tape and a phone call. <laughs> so, um, Th- which brings me to this Vinman story, which is interesting because last night New York Times broke the story that the um, it, okay, mm-hmm. so House impeachment investigators, uh, or so Vinman told them that the White House transcript of the Trump Ukraine re, u- Ukraine call omitted crucial words and phrases, and that his attempts to restore them failed. So that's a big deal you know i mean it's like basically he omitted the quid pro quo but the funny i mean just today on twitter of course he's going there was no quid pro quo and i I can't wait till I don't have to say that anymore.
1: (laughs) I don't think he knows what it means, honestly. (laughs) He probably doesn't. He's just like, it sounds like it's bad, so I didn't do it. (laughs) I don't eat squid. (laughs)
0: Um, But I'm wondering, you know, I mean, obviously Democrats are like, this is damning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then it comes down to the Republicans just trying to put this off on you know, how the investigation is going as opposed to what Trump is actually doing. So, I mean, I don't even know how it's going to come about, but it's interesting now because I think we are going to see more Trump officials and more Republicans coming forward, or at least people who worked in the Trump administration coming forward. And back to the conversation about impeachment in the Senate or like convicting, you know, there are a couple of people who would do it. So we've got those in the bag. I mean, Mitt Romney. I think Mitt Romney's telling the truth that yeah. he would do it. And the reason I say that is just because uh, I think that he, I look at Lindsey Graham and when he said, if I see, um, you know, anything illegal, okay, yeah, I'm open to convicting. I don't believe him because I think what he'll do is he'll just spin it and find some bullshit republican reason not to do it exactly but but mitt yeah, romney i'm what not I yeah i'm not so sure about mitt romney i i truly it's not that i think he's some great guy it's just that i think i do believe that he is a never trumper i think that he's i think he's appalled by what he's seeing and so when he says that if he sees anything illegal he'll vote to convict i have i i just believe him more i don't think he's i don't think he's going to Pull that kinds of Lindsey Graham, Sean Duffy bullshit. Oh, but there's this and there's that and look the other way and look, there's a shiny object and pay attention to that. I just I just don't see him doing that. So and like Justin Amash, I think he'll um, I think he would. And then, you know, we need 20. And there is a whole lot of Republicans who are going to they're not seeking reelection and they have absolutely no reason to um you know, worry about their constituents. So those, those people. Yeah. Are maybe Collins
1: can redeem herself a little yes,
0: bit. There's Collins and <laughs> there's just a few people that I, th- I think it's possible. I mean, I don't know that it's likely, but I, I think that there's a possibility that there would be enough people because so many people are resigning and, or they're not up for reelection. So there's this pool of possibilities and, you know, I'm a little hopeful about that, but I don't know because, It's just at this point in the game, it's almost impossible to predict what's going to go down. We've never been here before.
1: No. And if they don't, like if they don't oust him from the Senate, then I, then the Republicans will have to sit with the fact that they are allowing this illegal behavior. Yeah. They're kind
0: of damned if they do and damned if they don't. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. which is good for I feel for like us. they're almost
1: better off. Yeah, it's it's every which way it's good for us. And I feel like it'd be better for Republicans to just stand up against him Yeah. and just be like, I'm standing up for the country and explain themselves and why yeah. they're doing it. And they might be able to get through to some people. Yeah. But, there are a lot of, yeah. there are a lot of Republicans out there that don't like Donald Trump. Yeah. And are voting for Democrats come in the primary. I know a few, I know several, actually. Hmm. A lot well, of boomers. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Well, interestingly... Um, one of my, and don't, don't at me and don't yell at me, but one of my favorite guilty <laughs> pleasures is the Real Housewives series on Bravo. And I like them for a variety of reasons. I mean, the obvious reason is like, they're like the no nutritional value show. You're like eating Cheetos and just watching women scream at each other and you take sides and I, and, and it's kind of like a soap opera, but I also enjoy watching it because these women are so incredibly privileged. It's, it's mind blowing they're so selfish and they're so privileged and I kind of like look at them like they're aliens and then I also like to analyze them and so I'm watching The Real Housewives of Orange County and and when the first show of the season aired, I truly wondered if I would be able to handle the season and part of the reason why is because there's this woman on the show, I can't think of her name, Um, of course she's blonde, <laughs> she's in Orange County and she has a son <laughs> who's a Trump supporter. So she she has two sons, one's a Trump supporter and one isn't. So the one who isn't is really pissed off at the Trump supporter guy. So uh you know and he's like the full on he's a well, you know, she's my age. So it's her son. I don't know how old he is and I guess that's going to be a millennial. I guess he's a millennial. And he's the typical millennial type Trump supporter. He wears the garb, he's got the beard, and um, yeah. you know he just he just he just looks like he lives in Virginia or something and like it's where they the be yeah hanging yep. the confle- Confederate flag and I don't mean to disparage all of Virginia because I know it's a purple state but I'm just talking about those parts of Virginia that you know which I go to often now because I live here and you see Confederate flags on the houses and stuff like that that's what he looks like. Oh, I like. know the type. Yeah. I got family in
1: that side that lives exactly there. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: <laughs> so anyway, they haven't really talked about him too much, but the other night. I was tripping out because um, Tamara, her name is Tamara. So he, her son was on and she, he was wearing the garb and she told him, she's like, you, you're dressed like the American flag. And she's like, I get that you respect your president and that you're a patriot, but it's like you're in a cult. Ooh, when she said that, I was like, really? And then she told him, or she told the cameras, she said, I don't like Trump. I've never liked Trump. I don't like the way he treats women. I don't like his bedside manner. And again, I was kind of floored because I was really happy that she didn't go political, that she just went on his character as opposed to any kind of political opinion of him. And so then they concentrated on the son. And he was, the son is upset because... You know, she had him very young and he had a stepfather who was very controlling. And now that guy is gone. But long story short, this is what he said. He said, I don't want to be a victim, but okay, so that's pretty much your entire support base for Trump. And he he said that he didn't feel he was raised with the uh, tools to become a functional adult. So he's kind of blaming his mother because she was single and young when she had him, and then she married this guy who was a real asshole, and eventually she divorced him. But this asshole and this son, you know, definitely had uh, friction, and, and, and it was a it was a hardcore, you know, this guy was like an authoritarian father figure, and he was always... Um, coming down on this guy, the son, and so now the son is in this position where he feels a vi- he feels like he's a victim. He feels like everything is unfair. Sound familiar? And he's angry at at basically his mother and and, and the world. And the positive though was that his mother said. Um, you know, I'm going to set you up with let's just call her a life coach, which I'm sure is she's a therapist. And she goes, I want you to see this life coach, because Mm -hmm. you, you need to get your life in order. And it just really got me thinking. And I was like, you know, Trump's base, this this is exactly I mean, I've always wondered about his base and had opinions about them. I have family members who are Trump supporters. And the common theme that I see outside of the fact that they've been brainwashed by, you know, talk radio or Fox News, is that all of them, have a, like, they're angry about something or they're fearful or both. And then Trumpism or right wing extremism plays into those fears and those angers and it makes them feel justified. And so that's, you know, I can only imagine that this guy has been sitting around on the computer and like Reddit rooms talking about white supremacy and, how much she loves Donald Trump, and you know that constant reinforcement from other angry, fearful people, and it 's just exploded, you know and so I was like I just, I just brought this up because I wanted to I was very grateful to see his mother, who is very privileged and You know, I mean, I don't see her in a political light because she's on fucking Real Housewives. But I mean, the fact that she said that he was in a cult, I thought was really important. And I was I was hopeful that other people watching that show, especially women who are Trump supporters, um, will think about it, especially if they're her, you know, if they love her because she's a she's a born again Christian. So I imagine there are quite a few Trump supporting women who watched that segment and I just, I wonder what they thought about it, you know? Yeah. Because Trumpism is something that we're going to have to deal with when Trump is gone. And it's just this whole right wing extremism that's being um, facilitated by, you know, foreign oligarchs and also domestic, but um, specifically people like Vladimir Putin and all these guys in the Ukraine and everything.
1: Well, his, his whole campaign is based off of like preying on, on fears, like preying on people's fears and fear of the other. And also like a lot of, a lot of these young white guys are feeling that they are quote unquote under attack. Yeah. And it's. By me. (laughs) And me. And you. (laughs) You crazy feminazi bitch. (laughs) I know. And, and it's like, no, you're just, you know, being treated like. Everybody, you don't get a maybe you don't get a leg up anymore. They're like we don't have white privilege. What? Like I'm like, uh, yeah, 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 you yeah, kind of do. <laughs> well, you know, somebody
0: scolded me on my Facebook page and said, Kimberly, would you please stop calling it white privilege? It's class
1: privilege. And so, um, I found oh, this, that's code. That's code. No <laughs> offense to Bernie Sanders. uses that all the time. Yes. <laughs> he always calls it class. <laughs>
0: well, there is a class privilege, but there's also white privilege. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it's just it, the, the obvious is that if you're a white, you know, I, I try to ask white people this question who argue that there is no such thing. And it's like, and I ask them online, so I don't always get an answer. If I was in front of them, I might get an answer, and I'm sure they would bend themselves in a pretzel to figure out an answer that, to prove me wrong. But it's like, if you have a, you've got a choice now. You're a black person driving, you're a white person driving, and you get pulled over the, by the cops. Which one do you want to be, white or black? Uh, well, obviously, you're not going to choose to be a black person being pulled over because, unfortunately, they get murdered. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not every time, but they... They are under assault, basically, and it's, you know, it's just, they can answer their own question about white privilege if they're asked. I mean, would you rather be white or black? I asked this on Facebook once, and I offended this woman. Eventually, I explained it to her because she said, you know, how dare you ask that I'm proud to be black. And, and I'm like, that's not what I mean. I just mean that black people are constantly discriminated against. They go to jail for things that white people like if, if you're white, and you're caught with a joint, no big deal. If you're black, and you're caught with a joint, you spend your years in jail. Um, so it's not to say that you want to be white because of the skin color, it's how you're treated by our racist society. And so I want to be clear about that. I don't want to offend anybody. It's like, I, I think that if you, you know, it's just like being gay. I mean, the way that, and it's getting better, but as you know, being a gay person, you're open to more discrimination. And if you're going to choose a life, you want, usually you want to choose the easiest way to live without being criticized or discriminated against because of who you are.
1: Yeah. And like, and gay people, like it's, it's, it's. my experience is if I can like get through a situation and not have to explain to somebody that I'm gay, like somebody I just met, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't, it doesn't come up. I don't, you know, I don't wear being gay on my sleeve necessarily. Um, but like if you're a person of color, I mean,
0: yeah, exactly. That, that you can't hide that. You, yeah. And not that you should or want to, it's just that if you're, if you're pulled over by the police Um, You know, I mean, I have a story about back in the uh, when the Rodney King thing was happening and the riots started and I've told this before, so I will be quick, but I was in Glendale, California, which is uh, I mean, there was definitely diversity there, but there's a lot of white people in, in, in Glendale. And so I was coming home from my girlfriend's house and she lived in a really very nice part of town. And, you know, I lived in like the middle class part of town. So I was in the really nice part of town and I was driving to my home and a cop started following me and I didn't realize that the riots were happening. And so I, you know, whenever I see a cop following me, I get all nervous and it's like, oh shit, I don't want a ticket. So I'm driving and he's never pulling me over and he's never pulling me over. And then finally I get to my house and he, I mean, he followed me all the way to where I lived. And then as soon as I turned into my garage, he just went off. And, you know, I, I later realized that we had the riots and I think he saw me a white woman driving alone. So he basically escorted me home to make sure I was safe. I mean, that right there to me is all kinds of white privilege. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, I've also been pulled over after breaking like every, I was speeding. There were children around. I did everything wrong. And a, a nice looking white cop pulled me over and I was in Beverly Hills and, and he let me go. And, you know, and so it's like I've had so many experiences where I got off because I was an attractive woman and I was white. And so I recognize my privilege and I just I wish people would stop getting so hyped up and defensive about it because it's like, look, I have privilege. A white man has more privilege than I do, uh, even mm-hmm. if they've had a really hard life and really hard choices um, or to make or, you know, hard issues to deal with. But I mean, as a white woman, I have more privilege than most other people. You know? So, and it's like, I, it doesn't mean I abuse it or think that I deserve it because I don't, but we have it.
1: Yeah. And it's about recognizing it. And so these people that sit around saying there's no such thing as white privilege. It's like, it's, it's admitting it. I mean, it, it's all about just acknowledging it. It's like, I have, I have white privilege. Yeah. My wife doesn't, my wife doesn't have white privilege and I've right. seen how she's been treated differently. Yeah. So it's like, I, it's just, it acknowledging it doesn't make you like oh you know i don't know it's it's hard to explain like yeah just i mean acknowledge it. it just
0: just yeah <laughs> acknowledge it, but, but i think the people won't acknowledge it because they don't think they have it because they they don't understand they think they don't oh, want to admit it they, they don't, don't want to think they got a leg up right yeah. or they think they think that because they were born into say poor circumstances and they had really tough lives you know maybe their parents were abusive they're like where's my privilege and it's like your privilege is that you can walk Walk into a, a store and not be followed by security. Your privilege is that if you're a woman, you can walk into a grocery store and easily find foundation to match your skin and band-aids to match your skin. Exactly. You know, and it's like, yeah. and it's not to say that those are the most important things ever, but it's like, if you're a black woman and you just need to quickly run in and buy some makeup, well, you can't really do it at the grocery store. I can. I have that privilege. Yeah. But if you're black, you probably don't. And with hair care stuff, like I look at the hair care stuff and most of it, ben, you know, is, is I mean, I don't know exactly the, the kind of products that black people use and what works for their hair and, and whatever they want to do to it. But uh, but what I do see is the options for them at the grocery store are extremely limited, whereas the options for me at the grocery store, I mean, it's it's almost a whole fucking row aisle of, of possibilities and options. So it's like, there's little things like that. And there's bigger things like, you know, some, I, I read an article too, somebody listed all these different ways that, you know, white privilege exists. And it's like, if you're, if you are in, um, so if you're in, in either in an accident or if your car has a flat tire and you go knock on someone's door, the ch- if you if you're white, there's a better chance that the person's going to help you. If you're black, you know, I mean, it just depends, it, it always just depends on the person. But yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's this, you know, this is a great list of, of white, white privilege examples. And so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's about acknowledging and it's about understanding that just because you're white, and you've had a really hard life, that doesn't mean you still, you still have privilege. It doesn't mean you're lucky, and you're getting every break out there. It's just, you know, it'd be worse if you were your skin wasn't white. <laughs> it's just as simple as that.
1: Well, it's interesting because I see it on the train every day when, I, when I'm when i going into the city and I go into New York and um, just the people of color versus like the obnoxious white guys that always sit next to me on the train. I do like occasional like Instagram stories where I'm like, I always have the most obnoxious white guy sitting next to me <laughs> and I'm just like, and it's like. They don't, it's almost like this, like, we don't need to follow the rules type attitude. Like I'm in the quiet car coming, coming home last night. I'm in the quiet. It's like, you're supposed to be like on with your headphones, not talking, no phone calls, nothing. And he's literally like talking with his hands and he's like having this loud conversation. And I took a picture of him and I circled like, and it was under the quiet car sign. And I was like, (laughs) and I'm like, it was like this ultimate privilege. Like, and I, you don't, I don't see people of color ever doing that because they're held accountable to a higher level than yeah. this white guy who, who was just allowed to do it. And yeah. I was like, that's, that's the privilege. It has right. nothing to do with like money, how much money you make, where you come from all that. Like it has to do with the fact that you're getting away with something because you're white. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And you can, you know, I yeah. mean, just as I was saying a white person is caught with some pot and the cop just is like, whatever, you know, takes the pot away, says, go away. A black person goes to jail for fifty years. So I mean, we have all these black people in prison for pot.
1: It's two two sets of standards, and and that is that's the privilege. Like when I get pulled over and I can talk myself out of a ticket. Like see, I get pulled over. I see a cop behind me. My fear is, oh crap! I don't want a ticket right. A person of color gets pulled over like, Oh crap, I don't want to die.
0: Yes, exactly. Or go to jail because yeah, you know, uh, 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 there, you know, unfortunately, and it's not to say that all white, obviously not all white cops are bad. Um, but there, unfortunately we do have, there's been, I mean, look what happened with Eric Gardner, that guy. I mean, he wasn't pulled over. He was standing on the corner, minding his own damn business. The cop goes after him and strangles him to death for nothing, for nothing. I'm,
1: And it was caught all on camera. Like, his murder was caught on camera.
0: Yeah. That I
1: will never... Like...
0: I know. It's just... It's it's so upsetting. to me every time. Yeah. I mean, I saw... I saw... Uh, something happened earlier this year where there was um, I was driving and I see this black man. He's on I don't know what it's called, the Meridian or whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's just like you're on. He was on a side street coming out from a mall and the cops had him. It was like the little Meridian thing in the middle of the two lanes. And so he was he was being held down by a couple of white police officers. And so my first reaction was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, Eric Garner. And so I pulled up, and there were other people who were watching what was happening, and they all had cell phones. And uh, I do know it was Montgomery County police, and after this incident, I had told my mother what happened, and she said, I guess that in Montgomery County they have um, very few incidences of of cops using, uh, you know, uh, too much force or, 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 you know, doing something like what they did to Gardner because they I guess there's some kind of training program. So there's a lot less incidents of that. But at the time I didn't know what was happening and I see this crowd of people. And so I get out of my car and I'm thinking, all right, well, I've got a decent platform and I'm going to, I'm going to pull out my cell phone. And so I watched what happened and in the end, thankfully, nobody was hurt. I have no idea. They said that this guy stole something, um, but they did not use excessive force. They did not do anything to him. And I don't know if it was because they were just good cops who had been trained properly or, you know, they knew they were all on camera and they just, you know, I don't know what it was, but it was interesting to me that, you know, as soon as this happened, I mean, a huge crowd formed. And everybody had their cell phone out, So I think that's a good thing because if there are cops out there who are aggressive, then they're aware that they're being, you know, filmed by all different kinds of people, then they better fucking not do it, you know, and then it would be great. You know, we just, we just need to have better training in, uh, in the police force so that it doesn't turn to this, you know, I mean, obviously there's anger and, you know, I mean, it's being a cop would be very difficult because there's a very fine line that you have to walk. I mean, you have to be up for violent behavior. You have yeah. to be up for the fact that you could die. And, and that you may have to kill someone. You know, and, and in order to to do your job properly, you may have to kill someone. And so that's, some, that's really a difficult place to be in your mind. And in order to be a cop, that's what you have to do. But, you know, obviously... There is what, what happened to Eric Garner was. I, I mean, I didn't even have a word for it. It, it.
1: Yeah, that was like, it went beyond excessive force, but it was the fact that, like, what was he even doing? He was selling loose cigarettes. Like, yeah. that's that, like, judge, jury, executioner right there on the sidewalk.
0: Yeah. Like, what, Unbelievable. Like, Unbelievable. It,
1: it wasn't even, it was freaking cigarettes. Yeah. Like, who gives a shit? I know. <laughs>
0: Okay. So now moving on to something else. And I want to preface this with just something kind of funny and personal, but I want to talk about the Katie Hill thing. But what was interesting. Okay. So John Cusack is known as a political contrarian, right? He is uh, definitely a Bernie supporter and yeah. he kind of is <laughs> along the lines of the Greenwald crowd. And yeah. I adore him as an actor. I mean, I'm gen X. I grew up with him. I, I love his movies and so there have been times when I've called him out and, you know, I, I know that he'll block people. And so every time I call him out, I go to check. Did he block me? Did he block me? And he has not blocked me. He never responds and, and he didn't block me. And so this has been going on now for a couple of years and I don't really talk to him very much on Twitter and he never really engaged with me, but I would, you know, I would say something if I disagreed with him and I just always thought it was funny that he didn't block me. So then the other night, last night, he... Well, first of all, it was a day or two ago. I saw that he tweeted something about... It was a, he quoted Rob Reiner. And whatever Rob Reiner said, we were all in agreement, including John Cusack. And I was very happy to see that. So I, I quote tweeted John Cusack, and I just said, yay, we all agree. Because like, finally... <laughs> finally, I don't disagree with you. And then, um, so last night he quote tweeted me, I had put up an article, just some fucking awful article. I think it was, it was either about this terrible guy who, um, is selling babies to, uh, like taking advantage. Yeah. That, that I think is in Missouri. I didn't remember where it was, but he's like selling babies and it has to do with this whole scheme of, um, getting mothers, like treating them horribly and, and selling their babies off. It's just this awful thing. Anyway, so Jesus Christ. yeah. So, um, and he's a Mormon, which is odd, but there you go. So, so, so Joseph Smith,
1: no, sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: So John Cusack quote tweets me. He doesn't even, and he uses this article because I guess, you know, this fucking guy was doing something so awful and it was to point out the hypocrisy of how democratic women are treat, treated, specifically Katie Hill. So he also tagged Alyssa Milano, and I, you know, I, um, I wasn't sure exactly what he was doing. I mean, I, like, hey, we're on the same page. Katie Hill shouldn't have had to resign. Okay. But I, so I, when I tweeted him or when I answered him, I said women are held, women pay higher prices for the same thing, you know, and we, we have different set of rules. And I think that the answer to this is voting for a more diverse Congress. So then he came back, and he was like trying to scold Nancy Pelosi for not supporting her. And I just thought, okay, recently I did an article on the fact that I'm never going to doubt her again. Um, after impeachment, you know, after this, the whistleblower thing and everything, she proved to me she knows what the hell she's doing. And it's, I was never one who, to attack her, but I questioned her. I didn't know if she was making the right decisions because I'm a blogger and a podcaster and I know so much more than Nancy Pelosi, right? But anyway, <laughs> at this point, I am like, woman, you just do your thing and I will support you. Um, So I don't know what her deal is with Katie Hill. And I don't know why more Democrats weren't backing her. Um, But I do understand that Katie Hill got caught in this, um, you know, this fucking relationship thing, and while I don't give a shit, I mean, it was revenge porn kind of a deal where her pictures were released, but then it she absolutely had, was. Yeah, yeah, but she had a consensual relationship. I don't care. I don't care who she's having sex with. I don't That's give a, a shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then she was a victim of revenge porn, but she was, she felt pressure to step down, and I understand it. Not that I agree with it, but I understand. And I don't know if she had conversations with... um Nancy Pelosi, maybe Nancy and her talked and maybe Nancy absolutely supported her. And they decided that this was the way to go, whatever it is, I don't know, but I still maintain that, you know, you can sit there and get angry at all the presidential candidates who didn't back her and all the people in Congress who didn't back her. Um, but, but what the real problem is, is we live in a patriarchal society where men still get to do it. You know, Duncan Hunter is doing the same shit that she's doing. Didn't have to deal with revenge porn and he's still there. So This is our reality. We live in a patriarchal society. And Mm -hmm. in order to change that, we're going to have to change the way uh, laws are made and and who makes those laws. And then also, you know, when we have a diverse Congress, when we have women, when we have people of color, there's just going to be more of a tolerance instead of giving white men the benefit of the doubt all the time. It's just not going to happen. People are going to be held accountable, no matter what color they are, what gender they are. And so I don't know if we had a more diverse Congress at this point, um, and we'd been steeped in it for a while, if how that would have affected her in this particular situation. But I think in this particular situation, it's got to be looked through uh, the lens of patriarchy. Because that's, you know, Nancy Pelosi is working within that system. And she has to make the decisions um, that she knows that she can win under a yeah, patriarchal it's, system.
1: It, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And yeah. it's, it, I feel like then under this patriarchal system, women are treated as a grand experiment, yeah. as can we, can we trust them to lead us, basically. Yeah. I, they see women as, a, we have to be absolutely perfect. Yeah. We have, there's no grace, there's, no, there's nothing. Like we can't have any scandal. There can be absolutely nothing. And that's how we're treated. That's how women are treated. Yeah. And it's like this, like we're being treated as an experiment. Like, can we, can we actually allow them in Congress? It's like, so I, that's where I think if we do get more and more women into the house and Senate and the white house and the um, judiciary, things.
0: we need more anything, oh my God. Yeah, and yes. more people of color. I mean, it's like, I write about all the time that, you know, white men can, can rape women
1: and literally babies and get away with it. Yeah. So, um, And local office, like I see it just in like local, like I live in a pretty diverse town and I get my flyer for the local election and it's like just, it's literally all white people. And I was like, what the hell? Like, (laughs) come on.
0: Yeah. We definitely need to have more women and more people of color running this country because that's, that are, those are the people who live in this country. You know, and it's not to say that white men don't have value. Obviously, they do, but too many of them are making the decisions, and some of them are very terrible at it. So we just, you know, it's not. It's, I saw the argument too, where somebody said, "Oh, well, not." You know, I said, "I, I, I." I after Nicole Wallace called Laura hmm. Ingram and whoever else she was talking to, chicken shits. Which I, I love that woman. I adore her. Nice.
1: It was amazing. So, you know, yeah. I said
0: we let's just have women run the country. And then, you know, pe- oh, yeah. people are like, "No, not all women." It's like, "You know what? I'll take all not women all over women. all all men." <laughs> You know, it's Not like always. if it's going to be all women or all men, I'll take all women because of course Hands there's going to, yeah, there's going to be women like Sarah Palin. There's going to be women who I don't, Marsha Blackburn and all of that. Of course, there's going to be those kinds of women, but I trust that the majority of the women who would be running the country would do a better job. I would prefer, though, what I prefer is a good mix of everybody because that's what our country is. I don't want yeah. men out of the picture, but it's just like Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg made a comment once about um i don't i wish i could remember how she said it but it's just the idea that you know i'd like to get to the point where nobody would even question the idea of having nine women on the supreme court like we can have nine men and no one thinks about it but if you say yeah. nine women oh my god the freak out. What? You know, it's just can't like, women.
1: What? <laughs> it's like, it's like if you mentioned like say Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris having a female running mate. Yeah. They're like, Oh, well, no, we can't. Have-. I'm like, yeah, because two, gen- like two of the same gender have never been on a ticket. Before.
0: Right. Exactly. You know, it's okay if it's men, but not women, which brings me to this question to you as far. Uh, you know, I've been hearing several things, whether it's from um, just regular people on Twitter pundits on cable news and then news stories of donors feeling uncomfortable with the pool of democratic candidates and people i mean granted we don't necessarily have obama right now but obama wasn't even obama at this point in the race in 2008 so i think people um, forget
1: that yeah yeah (laughs) um but what do you think of our poll i mean people are saying it's lackluster And I think it's a tremendous pool. I I honestly think that it's fantastic. Like I'm a little frustrated that some people aren't polling as well as up that I think are personally think are better qualified than others Mm -hmm. that they're not polling higher. And I think it has to do a lot with gender and race. But, um, but generally the pool of, of candidates is, is, is amazing. I think the people that we have, like what we have to choose from, I'm like, I don't know. I can see myself, like I would begrudgingly get behind some people if they right. won. Me too. But I think that they all stand a chance at beating Trump. Yeah, Like all of them, not all of them, but like the top six. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like Yang and and um, Steyer, those people, I think, no. No, um, I don't
1: even know what the hell that is. No. <laughs> I did get a, I did get a kick out of Gang um, wearing a Lapel pen that said math. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool.
0: Although I'm not his fan,
1: but yeah, I, I no, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not a fan of Yang. I think I, I think he's he said a lot of things, especially recently, like defending Tulsi and all. That. Yeah, then yeah, no, like, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no,
0: I can't take yeah. the defending Tulsi. And you know what? That's that's a, that's another issue. Now, uh, Bob Seska, my boyfriend, um, he and I were doing. Well, first of all. I think it was last Thursday night, he made a comment to me that just uh, Democrats need to just be united and not fight, and we need to fight Trump. And so it was right after I posted about um, Pete Buttigieg and and I said that Pete lost me because and, and I mean this sincerely because I I wanted to like Pete Buttigieg and I did like Same. him and I, yeah, I, I, I wanted to like him, too. Yeah, I mean, and it's like there's absolutely no uh, he gave, I think, the best answer on late term abortion that I've heard anybody give. Um, mm-hmm. Just talking about by that time, the parents have already chosen the name. They've probably picked out the crib and decorated the room. And then they've, then there's some horrible thing that's either putting the mother's life at risk or, or the child. And, um, you know, and so this is not an easy choice. And he's always very pragmatic. He's always very measured and calm. He, he seems to have an answer for everything. And, you know, back when he, uh, early on, he referred to... Um, the ERA as a, oh, what did he say? Um, I can't remember the term and I'll think of it in a minute. Oh, a retro issue. So, I was pissed because I'm an ERA activist and I was like, no, Pete Buttigieg and I tagged him, I said, it is not retro. And I said, you know, Illinois ratified in 2018, Nevada ratified in 2017 and, you know, and I said a bunch of stuff and then I noticed that there was another time after that that he was asked about the ERA and he gave a better answer. And I was really happy because I wasn't the only one who I wouldn't say attacked him, but I was like, oh, hell no. That's not how you talk about it. Uh, I think he listened and I was grateful. So but then, you know, then he's he's going against what Hillary says and he's defending Tulsi. Not a good thing. And then I find out he's working with Mark Zuckerberg, who's like fucking destroying the country along with Trump.
1: And it's like, he also has a Goldman Sachs advisor. Yeah. Yes.
0: So it's like these things are, are upsetting to me. And I feel like in a primary, this is when we vet our candidates. So anyway, when Bob said that to me, it was right after I had tweeted this thing about Pete. And I'm thinking, oh, shit. And I know Bob likes people to judge. So um, I, I told him, I'm like, look, you and I are going to have to, you know, in the 2016 election, I was a Bernie supporter. And I was one of those. I wasn't a bro type, but I was definitely involved. And I was emotionally involved. And um, Bob was not a Hillary supporter so much as he took a pragmatic look and he thought, all right, Hillary has the best chance of winning because A, B, C, and D. So I'm just going to talk about that. It's not even that he was her supporter. So, and of course I was like, taking issue with everything he said because I was a defensive Bernie supporter (laughs) Mm. and I was emotionally affected by it. So in this election I've decided, no, I'm not going to be emotionally. I'm going to try to be a little bit more analytical as much as Elizabeth Warren is my first choice. I'm trying not to get too emotionally invested in her. And, um, so, you know, but I felt, and I told Bob, I said, look, I, I agree with your overall sentiment, but to me as a voter, um, and as an American, I feel that it is my right and my duty to call out whoever, whether it's an elected official or uh, somebody running, and we're in a vetting process right now. So I think that even though it, it's not an attack, um, you know, I, I feel that it's my right. And if I do that, then I can't stop people on my threads from becoming ridiculous to each other, and they always do. You know, they, Everybody gets so involved in their own candidate that they get angry if you say anything about...
1: Anything, yeah. Anything, you're not allowed. I, I've been finding it less and less about Buttigieg because I think people are, I, I, there's something, about, he's, he's very measured and he always has the right thing to say. Yeah. And I've, from people that I've like, talked to that have seen him, he sometimes comes across pretty like disingenuous. Yeah. Um, he does say a lot of the right things, most of the right things. Yeah. And he's been running for president since he was in high school. <laughs> when it, you, you got it, like that's how, like it's, that's what he's been doing. Like he was, he was valedictorian and then he went to Harvard and then he went to Oxford and which to go to Oxford, you need to come from privilege because you need to have like a certain amount of money in the bank account. And then he goes into the Navy, which is very respectable. Um, obviously I never want to go after anybody regarding that. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like, and now he's, he's, I, I tweeted right before we came, before I I'm I talking to you that I was like, so is Pete still the mayor of of South Bend? <laughs> because like he's in New Hampshire, and I'm like, what isn't doesn't he have a job? Like, <laughs> what what is he doing? So it's like I feel like he's just been running for president since he was in high school, and everything he's done since then has just been like a box to check along the way. Yeah. Of like, yep, I got this, I got this, I got this. I'm the perfect candidate. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. And people are like, well, he's gay, wouldn't it be great for him, for you to like, cause you're, cause you're gay. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I'm like, all right. No, um, that's not really what I look for exactly in a candidate is is they're sleeping with. Um, (laughs) But, and then, especially when, when Pete like, he had this ad he was like, oh, go on a date and that was a, well, I said it was a date, but it was basically like go to a show with Chasten and I was like, so are you pimping out your husband? <laughs> well, like, that's weird like it was weird to me. It just it just came across weird yeah but it was just I just feel I, I like the guy. I just feel like he's not ready yet. I, just, I, I, want I don't, him don't like to the be choices. more genuine.
0: Yeah, I don't like some of the yeah. choices that he's making. And I think that you know like I said when I when I and other people, uh, Talked to him about the Equal Rights Amendment, it seemed like he paid attention and he changed his tune. And I was appreciative for that because. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I thought. Because he figured out what
1: would make people pissed off. But, like, you know, he's very measured. Like, right. he, he does. Well, he, he wants to say the right thing yeah, all the time.
0: If you're running, he's, obviously, you have to. Yeah. I mean, just like I have a podcast. If I go on my podcast every time and piss everybody off, no one's going to want to hear me. And I'm sure I do p- exactly. piss people off. Exactly. But, you know, you, I don't want to just kiss anybody's ass. I'm going to be opinionated, but I also realize that, um, yeah, in order to be successful, especially as a candidate, I mean, you you have to appeal to the masses. And so, and I think that down the line, uh, maybe, you know, if, if Pete listens to some of, like, this criticism that he's getting, especially for, like, defending Tulsi, especially for working with Mark Zuckerberg, when Mark Zuckerberg – I mean, there was a New York Times article that, you know, just came out today that both Zuckerberg and Trump are uh, breaking America. So it's like, don't work with the enemy, dude. That's just not a good look. It's not a good look. And um, – does it mean that he's the worst person in the world? Of course not. I just think he's young. Yeah. You know, he's young. That's all. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I I do kind of like him still, but he yeah. has lost me. I don't me. Not like him. Right. Yeah. He has lost me for this election because I don't have. I mean, if he's the candidate, I'll vote for him. I don't think Clearly. he will be, but, you know, Chris Matthews is always saying, I don't know, man, his numbers are rising in Iowa. So, Iowa watch Iowa and for all we know he could you know he could come out ahead I don't know and if he is the nominee of course I'm going to vote for him and of course I'll make phone calls on his behalf I just don't think that he's ready and I think some of the choices that he's made um, are a little bit alarming especially the Facebook thing that with Mark yeah. Zuckerberg but you know back to the argument about not
1: argument but I wonder the, I don't how, did they know each I, I don't know if they know each other at, at Harvard but they were both at Harvard oh, at the same time interesting
0: I didn't know that. Interesting.
1: So I, I, I don't know if they knew each other, but I do know that they were both at Harvard huh. around the same time.
0: Well, when Bob and I were talking, I mean, it's like I get the fact that we have to um, that we have to unite. Um, and I think what's going I think the, the shakedown or the shakeout or whatever, when it all shakes out comes to we get behind the um, the nominee and we can't do anything about like the greenwalled contrarians. If they're if they're going to want to vote third party, they're not Democrats oh, they're, We can't do anything no. about them. And as you said earlier, I think it was you, said that we have to go find, um, yeah, it was you. We have to find people who didn't vote and Democrats. That's it, we got to find the non-voters. Right. There's such a large non-voter pool we're not tapping into. It's like half the country. (laughs) Exactly. So I think, but my whole thought process on this is um, I can't stop people from fighting on my threads. You know, I try to be genuine and fair. And if I'm going to post about whether it's bernie Sanders, you know i try not to attack him i don't really like him and he's the one i'll go after most but <laughs> but i still try i don't make it personal i just cite either what he said or what he's done and why that's I what i like try it. to do yeah
1: yeah and so it's pointing out his hypocrisy like that's what i like exactly wanting to hold big pharma accountable but he manufacturers accountable, but he, he voted against holding gun manufacturers accountable. It was like, yeah, I mean, there's there's
0: that. And then there's also the fact that he admitted that he recognized he got, um, help from Russia, but then he scolded Hillary Clinton for not doing anything about it. When in fact, she was the only person talking about it in 2016. And and so that pissed me off. And it's like, um, you know, again, if Bernie's the nominee, I'm going to vote for anybody who is the Democratic nominee? It's just no matter what, because Trump is too fucking dangerous. And we can, I mean, I would do that anyway, because I'm never going to I'm never going to not
1: vote for the Democrat. I'm just not, you know. And, and anyway, so but but to get- if Bernie were to win, though, I need to I need him to to like say that he'll accept the nomination because when he runs as a Democrat, yeah, in I know. Vermont. He doesn't accept it. that that is literally a fear I have that yeah. he would win it. And then he would be like, no. Nope, and then it's going to cause chaos. And then I'm like, who are you really working for? Right. So well, th- I, I think know.
0: that's that's the thing that, you know, anybody who's questioning Bernie has that fear. Although I don't I don't think and it's a guess, but I, I just don't think he's going to get the nomination. I just don't. I don't, I don't know I don't who is. So. It's hard for me to say. I mean, it's easy to look at, you know, the, I mean, the last polls with uh, Biden after the debate um, showed him like 15 points ahead of everybody, including Warren. But that was a national poll, and I think we really yeah. have to pay attention to Iowa. But um, you I know, feel like
1: Warren. W- this is a prediction. I feel like Warren's going to take Iowa, and New Hampshire, and then Biden will take South Carolina. Interesting. And then, and then from there, I think a lot of people are going to drop out, and it's going to. I think it's going to come down to Biden and Warren. Yeah, I do
0: too. I totally think it's going to come down to them. Um, but before we, uh, I want to just say though, in in the idea of not, you know attacking like if i say something about bernie um, i'm going to try to be fair even if i don't like him or whatever i'm not i'm not going to personally attack the da- the guy um, No, i can't not for personal right, reasons exactly. yeah
1: that's that's petty yeah. and i'm not
0: going to attack his supporters for supporting him i respect the fact that they they support him i respect it i used to support him um yeah. but i can't do anything about other people on my threats going for the jugular and being mean to each other and being stupid. I, I, can't, I can't do anything about that. But, and I understand the, the feeling like, oh, my God, we've just got to focus on Trump and we have to stop uh, tearing each other down and this and that. I, don't, I feel like, you know what, cause, and, and the idea is because this election is too important. But the way I feel is every election moving forward is just going to be too important because now that Trump has made it, I mean, it was too important when Romney was running.
1: But exactly. it, you know, every it, election, when, yeah. no, like 30% turnout for like the 2014 midterms. I'm like, oh God, that was important. Nobody freaking showed and no, up. And no one cared.
0: <laughs> but we can't allow the fear of it being too important to stop us from vetting our candidates. We have to be able to say, I don't like that, you know. I mean, I didn't like the way Elizabeth Warren handled herself in the last debate. I don't think it's like it's going to. It's not like she's not qualified to be president. I think she's totally qualified, and she's my number one choice. But I like I wish that she would have been a little bit more prepared with how she's going to answer the tax question. Because even though we all not no, that's the thing. We don't all understand it. You understand what she's going to do. I understand what she's going to do. Yes, our taxes are going to go up, but we're not going to have to pay for any kind of insurance or co pays or medicine or anything. That it's going to be taken out of the equation. So there are families right now that are paying $1,500 a month or more um, for you know, their insurance plans. And under what she wants to do, then yes, you're going to pay higher taxes. But let's just say your higher taxes are maybe $400 more per month. You, but you no longer have a $1,500 a exactly. month payment. So yeah, you yeah. might pay more in taxes. But in the bigger picture, you're going to be saving money. Um, I wish that she would explain it that simply. But she isn't. And I think it's hurting her because the never-Trumpers are looking for... they, They just want to pin her as a socialist. They want to pin her as somebody who can't be trusted. And so she's making it easier for them. And the other thing that I was bothered by was her reaction to... Uh, the blowback that she got from her own party, which I think she got too much of it. The first couple of debates, Biden was the front runner and he did absolutely get some shit from some of the other candidates. But I know in this last debate, she got attacked 15 times and he only got yeah. attacked two times. And, yeah. and that's because she's that. yeah, she's viewed as the front runner. So I feel like Elizabeth should wear that. Like, I think that should embolden her. I feel like she should be like, all right, I'm the one to beat now. So instead of like it it, it looked as if she was a little flabbergasted and confused and a little indignant when people were challenging her. And it's like, why weren't you expecting this? You need to expect this shit. And I mean, I love her. I think that she's fantastic. But I think that she is so used to being on the campaign trail and talking about her and B and getting everybody like in a love fest that when she was challenged by people in her own party, I think it threw her and um i hope that the next time she's on stage with these people and they go after her that she has better answers and and handles it better you know and it's like yeah, bob to pointed expect it, yeah, yeah and bob pointed out to me that obama wasn't always so great in the debates in fact uh what's his name um the guy who cheated on his wife uh in 2004 what was his name he was such a jerk john something i can't remember his name i'll think of it but uh, edwards edwards thank you i guess he had to go to obama and go dude you got to spice it up, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you got to debate a little bit better than what you're doing. So, you know, and we can all remember that first debate in 2012 with Romney. He just like, he was like, he was taking a nap and I was thinking, oh my God, he was terrible. So debates don't mean everything. You know, it's like what Elizabeth Warren is doing out in, you know, talking to voters, getting the selfies, answering their questions. This is how she's maintained this slow but steady rise where no one else she's the only one who's done it yeah no one else has risen like her i mean buddha judge is coming in in iowa because he's spending a lot of time and money there but it's like just with the rise it's her
1: i think the main concern i've been hearing from people regarding warren is that they'd feel like she comes across too i don't want to say it because it's not like too soft and which could be can come across for a man or a woman. You can come across too soft that she's not coming across yeah. with like this, like puff of a chest, like, like Biden can often do. where it's like, you know, and K- Kamala does it. She's a really. prosecutor. She's <laughs> like, yeah, she does it really well. Like, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I wish she were doing better in the polls too, because yeah. I, I could totally see her taking on Trump. Like Me too. it would be, it would be phenomenal, but we are where we are. Yeah. And so I want to, I want Warren to kind of bring that into the next well,
0: debate. and I wonder, yeah, I agree with you. And I wonder, like, I liked when Kamala just fucking took over and looked right at the camera and directly spoke to Trump. It was like, oh, God, it was great. And, um, you know, and I and I don't you know, it would be nice if all of them did that a little bit more. Although this next debate's going to be great because four women, including Rachel Maddow, are going to be hosting the debate. So I think we're going to see some better quality questions. CNN has a tendency to pit the candidates against each other. And um, there's, like, Cory Booker keeps waving that white flag, like, come on, everybody, <laughs> let's stop talking each other. Um, and I, I appreciate that he's doing that. Uh, but, I you know, I mean, I want to see Elizabeth. I think, though, Elizabeth Warren is going to handle Trump differently than she's going to handle Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg, who are asking her about, you know, healthcare. I think that Elizabeth Warren is, like, for instance, the way that she's dealing with Mark Zuckerberg is showing me that she will do a very good job handling Trump. I agree. And so I think that she views them differently. That's why I think this through her, you know, again, it's like she's telling all the heartwarming Aunt B stories and she's having a big love fest and convincing people who don't trust her to convince her with her kind of you know, um, professor, teacher background, and she's naturally very maternal and caring. And so I think, you know, in the democratic primaries, I think she's, and I hope that this is the case that she's kind of using that. And then once we get to the general, if she's the nominee, she turns more into that fighter who has taken on, um, you know, the consumer protections and and stuff like that. So, I, I I mean, I'm hoping that we, we see that, and um, I guess we're just going to have to find out. But who knows? I mean, it's like, it's, how do you feel, how confident, confident do you feel that we can win 2020?
1: I feel, I, I honestly feel we can win with, if we get people excited to turn up to vote. Right. <clears throat> my, my biggest fear is that people are going to feel like it's a lost cause, and they won't go... So I honestly feel like voter turnout is everything. Yeah. It, it, to even surpass like them like targeting certain districts like they did last time in three different states where he only won by like 70,000 yeah. votes. And like and to and to make a third party option not look like an option because right. as much as people are like oh well, that's not freedom that's not democracy I'm like, "Well, you know what? Right now this is about the life of the freaking country." Yeah. And we need to get Trump out. That is what it's about right now. Yes,
0: absolutely. absolutely. fucking And I just, you know, I mean, there have been two election experts who see a blue tsunami coming. In fact, um, last night I was watching, of course, I always do as I prepare my dinner, Chris Matthews. He's not my favorite. But now he has like freaking, he just got out of surgery for pancreatic cancer. And I feel bad because like I have this, I said this last week with Stephanie on the show where it's like. Um, sometimes I kind of love Chris Matthews and other times I I don't hate him, but he makes me so angry. He either like interrupts his guests or he has Republicans on that make no sense and he doesn't challenge them and he lets them get away with saying shit and it drives me crazy. But um I mean he's been around forever and he's not gonna be around forever. So it's like I realize that. And so he was talking last night about The fact that Republicans behind closed doors are freaking out that they're going to lose the Senate and that Democrats will keep the House and take the White House. And so, you know, I mean, that's a real it's I think it's a real possibility that that can happen. But it's like, again, trying to predict it is so hard. And it's it's we just don't know um, what Russia is doing and what they're capable of at this point. I don't know. The only thing that I'm hopeful about is I think it was last week R- Maddow was doing a story about how Russians are cashing in and they're doing so like they're cashing in all the all the things that they want and they're doing so at a rapid pace and I was just wondering is that because mm. they think Trump's going to lose if if they had a That's lock yeah if they had a lock on the election and they knew they were going to win you know like if they could, if they could switch votes over or whatever it is, if they had that absolute <laughs> knowledge, would they be rushing around to cash everything in?
1: Yeah. It's like when you see the CEO dumping his stock, it's probably not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: uh, I don't know. But anyway, what we're going to do now is we're going to go over to end another thing. Um, so why don't you tell people where to find you?
1: You can find me at, at Sarah Woodwriter, um, pretty much on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, instagram pretty much anywhere and then s- sarahwoodwriter.com is where you can see more about me and cool. reach out to me if you'd like all right
0: well i'm going to put your links into the text of the patreon description and as always it's it's, it's great talking to you but we're going to keep talking and uh, end another thing so everybody stick around and we'll talk to you next time Sarah. so stick around thanks for having me <laughs>